0: Uh, Psalm 90, Psalm 90, and today we're going to be looking at numbering our days, and uh, this Psalm 90 is a Psalm of Moses, so let's, let me read this, Lord you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust saying, return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret (laughs) sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years, or 80, if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass, and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendour to their children. May the favour of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Let's pray, shall we, church? Oh God, eternal God, God who always has been, always is and always will be. God who is from everlasting to everlasting. We come together, your people and we come to give you praise and thanks for who you are. God, we thank you for all that you have done for us. God, you've given us life and you've given us breath. And each new day is a day that comes from your hand. And God, today we want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you and to praise you this morning. We, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to give and to give to others well, we just rejoice in the generosity that we've shown as a church to the people in Malawi. God, thank you for the that we didn't just hit the target, but, boy, we, we knocked it all over. And we just thank you, God, that you are teaching us that where our treasure is, there our heart is also. And the more that we build up for ourselves, uh, the, the harder it is to love and worship you. And we thank you, God, that we love giving and giving it away. And God, our prayer is for the work in Malawi this morning. We pray that you would be blessing them and strengthening them. And God, that you'd be helping those leaders of small groups be trained and equipped. God, this morning our heart too is with North Korea. We're just aware that today is a very special day for the people of uh, North Korea, an anniversary uh, of the Korean War. And we're just so aware, God, that so many people are suffering in that country. And we pray for Christians who today would love to be able to worship in a church like ours, um, even without the heating. And we just pray for them, for, for human rights in, in North Korea. And we pray for the starving, and we pray for the children of North Korea, and we pray for the, for the Christians in North Korea this morning. God, as the world prays for them today, we join too. And we ask that you would strengthen those there, and that more and more of the Christians there would help to lead others to you. God, we pray for this service. It's just one out of many that our church have had, but we're here right now. We ask that you would speak to us today, God, that you would challenge us, that you would change us as we acknowledge you and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In just a few moments, you are about to witness a baptism. And some of you might be here for the first time. Maybe you're still exploring Christ and what the Christian faith means. And I thought I'd just take a couple of minutes before we actually go to the baptisms to tell you on what basis these people are being baptized and what basis you could make a decision to become a follower of Christ and be baptized. The Bible tells us simply that God and I'm sorry if you're right down the back, but you can come up afterwards and have a look at this, but I'll write in big writing, um, that God made us. And the reason he made us is because he loves us and he wants to have a relationship with us. In fact, uh, 1 John 4 says uh, God is, what does it say? Do you know? If you're to sum up all that God is, God is love. Yeah, 1 John 4, 8. God loves us and he loved us to have a relationship with us. He wanted us to know him and to have a relationship with him. But what happened is that from the very beginning, he gave us a free will to choose to follow him or to not follow him. And the truth is, that in the Garden of Eden, man chose to go his own way. They disobeyed God. They said, God, we don't want to follow what you do. We want to do what we want to do. And as a result, sin came into the world. And the Bible says that sin separates us from God. It cuts us off from Him. We try and have a relationship with God because God is holy and because God is pure and because he's love. We who are unholy and want to do our own thing and are separated from God because of sin. And what we end up doing is finding ourselves away from him and apart from him. And we find ourselves not living the kind of life that he wanted us to live. In that situation, uh, we try and do everything to get back to God that we can. Um, This situation is painful to us because we were created to know God and to love God and receive his love. But because sin cuts us off, we feel the pain of that. In fact, this situation is terrible. Romans, uh, Romans 3:23 says, "All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God," and it means every person that has ever lived has not lived a perfect life and is separated from God. And every person who's ever lived is in this situation. So, if you're here today, then this is how your life has been. Uh, Romans 6:23 says, "For the wages of sin." is death and the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ death is the wages of our sin the thing that we earn for being separated from god but we hate this situation so what we try and do is we say we better try and please god how on earth can we please god so we say let's go to church every sunday let's try and be there every time the church is open." but that in and of itself cannot bridge the gap to get us back to God. We say, we'll give. We'll give to Malawi. We'll give to the Red Shield. We'll give, you know, but that in and of itself cannot bridge the gap because it doesn't deal with our sin. Doing more good things than bad things doesn't bridge the gap between a holy God because he wants us to be holy and pure. And some of us say, oh, we'll try and stop swearing. We'll try and really pure our minds by not watching bad things on TV. But the problem is it doesn't bridge the gap. You have to pay for your sin, and the only payment is death. It's a terrible situation. And God, because of his love for us, knew that we can't do anything on ourselves to save ourselves, so he sent his only son into the world. He sent Jesus into the world. God came in the flesh, and he lived a perfect, sinless life. He showed us how to live. He never sinned. He's the sinless lamb of God and he died in our place. So then instead of us having to take the penalty for being separated from God of death, Jesus died in our place for us so that we can be made right with God and that we can have fellowship with him. And the end result of that is life to the full. And the end result of continuing to live, basing our lives on Jesus Christ and his love and his forgiveness is living a life that thrives, life to the full. Just that you know this, does that make you a Christian? No. A lot of people know a lot about Jesus and they even understand what he's done for them. They can even understand all of this and even write little charts like this to explain it. But the thing that makes you a Christian is when you actually take the step to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When you actually say, I'm no longer striving to please God in my own strength, but I'm putting my faith and trust. I'm acknowledging my sin. I'm turning from it and I'm turning to God by putting my trust in Jesus Christ. That's what makes you a Christian. When this happens, the transformation is incredible. The old is gone, the new has come. God fills us with his Holy Spirit. He gives us gifts. He leads us. He guides us. We become part of his family. We're no longer enemies but friends. And we belong to him. Do you know the time for baptism? The time for baptism is right at this point here when you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Many people think, I have to be really holy to be baptised. No, no, Jesus said, you know, repent and be baptised. Turn from your sin, come to me and be baptised. And this is the time when you come. So when, when Jenny and Lauren and Cluda are baptised in a minute, they're not saying we're holy rollers that have achieved all, you know, because that would be trying to work and earn favour in God's sight. You can't do it. All that needs to happen for you to be made right with God is to put your faith and trust in him. That's what they've done. And today as they're baptised, they'll be saying, we love Jesus. His death on the cross has cleansed me and made me free and right. My relationship with God is no longer broken. Through Christ, I'm restored. This is how you become a Christian, putting your trust in Jesus Christ. This also is a time when baptism is relevant for you. So as you watch, why don't you watch and listen with an open heart and say, have I put my faith in Jesus Christ? Am I ready to be baptised as well? It's an exciting moment for three people, so why don't you give them a big round of applause and welcome as they come up. now? Yes, come up, Lauren and Clueda. And Jenny, too. Well, first of all, why don't you come and take a seat, Jenny, as well. And this is uh, Lauren and Cluta Van Wyk, and we'll hand over to you to uh, share your testimony with us, Cluda, first. Great.
1: Morning. Um, when I had to write this testimony, what I did is I went down, sat down, had some quiet time, and spoke to God and asked him what he should think I should write. Um, this is what happened. Clutter, that's me. Um, I gave you life. I gave you a Christian mother and father who taught you my ways. You grew up and knew me well. You talked to me every day. I accepted you for who you were and forgave you all your trespasses. One day, when you left your home, you decided to leave me as well. I was worried about you and hoped every day you'd come back to me. I missed our conversations. Your life was one and one that you were not proud of, and sometimes it seemed if you wanted to talk to me, but was too ashamed. I still loved you. I knew that you would come back to me one day. Do you remember the day when your daughter was born? That's the day when you realized that you needed me as much as I needed you. Our love grew from that day. I decided to help Lauren, your wife, as well, and made a part of your journey. You gave your life to me shortly after that. You are here today because I love you. I have given you this church to strengthen your belief. We are one again. I look forward to our conversations. Your loving God, thank you.
0: Now, Lauren has asked that I read her testimony for her. Jesus, how thankful I am to have grown up with grandparents always telling, educating, and encouraging me about you. God fearing grandparents who lived for you. I was always aware of you, Jesus. truly want to thank you for saving my life by bringing me closer to you. It was only by your grace that my eyes opened. I was going through some hardship and called upon you. Just like you promised in Revelation 3.20, you stood at the door and knocked and I heard your voice and opened. I want to thank you for all the everyday miracles that I've experienced in my life since I've given my life to you. I know that I need you in my life as much as the air I breathe and would be lost without you in this life and the next. As a token of my love for you, I am here today. May your Holy Spirit always guide me and keep on preparing me to spend the rest of eternity in your presence. Amen. Great. And Jenny, come.
1: (coughs) Um, All my life I have thought I had to be a good person to earn God's love but coming to this church has helped me realise that God's love is a gift and something you don't earn. The important thing is to open your heart and accept him into your life. This whole concept has changed my life. The fact that I am loved by God has brought me a peace which I have never felt before. Today I get baptised as an expression of my belief in God as an acknowledgement of the sacrifice he made of his son Jesus Christ.
0: And we're going to now go and prepare for baptism and Sandy's going to lead us as we go. I don't know whether you've ever really wondered about um, time. I think often we live as though we've got all the time in the world and um, that life just should go by breezily and uh, gently every day and we should just enjoy each moment. I remember um, my graphics teacher in year 10 uh, trying to impress on me uh, something about time and how I should think about using it. Um, I was year 10 and I'd just sort of been kicked out of one school, year 9 at a high school in Melbourne. And uh, they didn't have any place for me there, they said, so I went to the tech school. And we had two periods of graphics back-to-back and I was pretty bored with it all, I think, really. You can imagine me like that, can't you? Rebellious and bored. But... Uh, Halfway through one double period, he looked at me, Mr. Bartell, and he said to me, he said, Jonathan, one day you will think that there are not enough hours in the day. I looked back at him and I thought, yeah, right. (laughs) But he was right. There have been many, many days when I've wished there was more hours in the day. And I wonder whether you think about time, and how we should use it, and whether we've got a lot of it or just a little bit of it, and and what we should do in light of the time that we have, how we should live. The psalmist is obviously thinking about all these questions himself as he starts this psalm in Psalm 90, a psalm of praise, by reminding us, the readers, and as he prays, Moses saying to God, you are a God who is... Eternal. God is eternal, is how he starts the psalm. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. God's sense of timing is that he is absolutely eternal. There's no start to God. There's no finish to God. And the psalmist looks at God and he says to God, you have been our dwelling place, our refuge. You have been the one who has watched over us and the one we have put our trust in and faith in from generation to generation. And think about that and you think, wow, is that, that's true of us this morning. We could remind ourselves about the eternal nature of God by thinking about us. We've, if you came to our, in the induction service when I first was inducted as senior pastor, do you know how long you've known me for? It's been 1,430 days. I'm just about around that much. Seems like a long time, doesn't it? 1,430 days. And you know, if you look back and you look at before uh, I came, there was uh, Norman Powell and Graham Smith. And Sandro, and then before that, there were people like John Fulton and Alan Neat and James Anderson, and you could just keep going back and back where God has been the refuge of our church as we've changed from extension to extension, from move to move. But you know how old our church is? Just over 50 years. Hardly anything. It's just one or two generations that God has been our refuge. But before that, right down the times, the ages, God has been the refuge of generation to generation. Right through every person that has ever lived, God has been the refuge. And the psalmist goes on to try and remind us of that. You know, we think 50 years is a long time, but God has been. In existence, from the beginning of time, caring for his creation, and, and then he says, before the mountains were born, you were brought forth from the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are our God, God is eternal, even before the mountains were made, before God formed them, and we look at mountains and we think, these mountains must have been here forever, and you think, well, they have and God made them. God made the earth. He's eternal. When you think about that, it sort of makes you sort of praise God in awe and wonder for who He is compared to who we are. Because God is eternal, but the truth is that we are transient, we are finite we are not eternal nothing like it in fact the, the psalmist explains this in such vivid terms he says you turn men back to dust saying return to the dust sons of men you know the truth is that the death rate is still incredibly stable stable it's hovering right at around 100% every person who's ever born dies <coughs> And the truth is that we don't think that we're going to be one of those people. But there is going to come a time when your heart will stop beating. You will take your last breath. And every now and again, someone we love dies. And it reminds us of this fact. But generally, we live as though we'll last forever. And just a few weeks ago now, Dorothy Black passed away. She had seated in some of the seats up there just, just not so long ago. And yet her life came to an end, this woman who loved God. We'll be able to point around the room in the months and years ahead where some of you have sat and say, God has given you life but you've returned to the dust. Your body that he's given you to live this life on earth will come to an end one day. It says here that for a thousand years in your sight, God, are like a day that has just gone by. A thousand years is like just one day that's just gone by to God. It just shows how eternal he is and how transient we are. We're kind of transient, which means not permanent. We're quickly passing away, fleeting. We're in, we have short duration. We're momentary. 50 years this church was birthed. 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked this earth. Just like two fleeting days in our creator's mind. The psalmist says, "Or oh, you're just like a watch in the night. Uh, a watchman would watch over a camp or over a city protect them, and they'd split the night up into three sections. And just one of those is what the psalmist is reminding us that we are like as he prays to God. You, you know, you're... But to you, a thousand days, God, is just like one day. We're just like one of the watches of the night where we're got here today, gone tomorrow. It goes on to say, we're being, you sweep away men. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. It's almost like every day people are dying and going to be with him or, or dying and dying apart from him. They are like the new grass in the morning which springs up fresh and starts to look healthy and grow. And in the morning, it springs up new. By evening, it is dry and withered. When we understand that God is eternal, when we understand that he is from everlasting to everlasting and has been the God of generation after generation, it reminds us almost um, with a thud that our lives are short, that we're just one of many, many millions and millions of people that have lived and walked this earth and one day we will die. And you know what's worst? Our lives are lived against God. Often we live as though we will last forever and as though God doesn't really matter in all of that. And we live as though we are eternal and God doesn't matter. And what happens is we just live our own way to try and make the most out of our time and we end up filling up diaries and calendars and running around from place to place as though we've got to use up every bit of it, but we live as though God doesn't exist. And the psalmist says, we're consumed by your anger. We're terrified by your indignation because you're a God who's a holy God who wants us to know you and love you. You have set our iniquities before you. God sees all of our rushing, all of our sin, all of our humanity, our secret sins he sees in the light of his presence. And all our days pass under your wrath. And we finish our years with a moan. So many live, run, 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 run. And at the end, their last life breath is empty. And their life finishes. It's at these times when many people realise that they have used the life that they have, not in the way that they wished they had that they were trying to do things for themselves and when really they wish they'd lived their lives differently. The lengths of our days, the psalmist says, is just like 70 years or 80 if we have strength. Not for Rita Clement, 86, Rita, on Monday. It was good news, wasn't it? <laughs> but the truth is that part of this is part of the, the sorrow and the agony of living our lives as human beings apart from God. And because death, it says in Genesis, came as a result of our turning against God and going our own way. And in the strange way, the length of our years and the way in which God gives us life and takes it from us is all part of our fallen humanity, where God determines our passing. Who knows the power of your anger, the psalmist says. For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due to you. If we're aware fully of the way God thinks of our sin, the way God thinks of the way we live our lives, we would live our lives differently. And so the psalmist says... In the light of these truths, teach us. Teach us, God. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. God, you are eternal. Our lives are but a breath. They're coming to an end fast. So God, would you teach us, because we know that your wrath will overwhelm us, that you will be brought to account because of our lives, to teach us how to live lives that are right. Lives that are right in your sight. I want to tell you that question is one that I ask regularly. God, how can I live my life in the most effective way? Given the limited time that I have Many of you look at me and think, "Oh, he's got plenty of years left." But do you know what? It wasn't that long ago till this was me. That's me. You can't really see my lovely features, but that's my mum and dad in Papua New Guinea. It's just two weeks old when I was. Then not long after. there I am at kindergarten. That's uh, just five years old um, when I was there. And there I am at nine years old. And uh, quickly, my life has been changing and my life has been growing. And do you know what? Today, I found out this week that I'm two years now over the medium age in Australia. It's 37 years old and I'm already grown past it. I'm 39, so I'm on the other side now for <laughs> Australia's. Some of you are laughing because you think I'm under it, or some of you are not saying anything because you know you're way over it. <laughs> but, you know, I've got to be open with you. And, you know, I'm 40 at the end of this year, and more and more I'm starting to think time's running out, you know. But whether you're 60 or whether you're 20, remember we're all a fleeting moment. Now, God, how can we live in light of the fact that time is running out? I think the first thing that is to number our days aright. right. We've got to ask ourselves, how can we do that so we can live wisely, so we can be pleased with God? And then, I think this is how we do it. We ask God, to help us live wisely. And the rest of the psalm, the psalmist asks some questions. He says in verse 13, he says, God, relent, O Lord, would you please? How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. And I think what this is saying for us now is to cry out to God for compassion and for mercy and to ask for his forgiveness. This morning... We explained how that happens through Jesus Christ. Uh, The psalmists, uh, the, the Old Testament, looked forward towards Christ and when Christ came, he showed us how we can be made right with God. It's from moving from a life where our sin separates us from him and moving across through faith in Jesus Christ to put our trust in him so that our lives are made right with God and we're forgiven. Ask God, to forgive us, ask for compassion and his mercy so that we can become his followers and his servants. That is the first way to number your days aright and to live wisely because when you do that, you recognise and you realise that you will be spending the rest of your eternity after your short life here living. And God will either judge you or will have forgiven you in this life that you're living now. And you'll go to be with him and face his forgiveness instead of his judgment because Christ will have paid it all on the cross for you. I think once you have come to him and given him your whole life, And turn from your sin and put your trust in Jesus Christ. The psalmist says, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Ask God to satisfy you with his unfailing love. And part of that's why you're here this morning. Part of you long to worship God and to know him and to love him. And you come because you want to tell him that and receive his love. Put your faith in Christ. Ask for his forgiveness. Ask for him to overwhelm you with his unfailing love and live a life that worships him and gives thanks for all that he's done because uh, he has forgiven you. And the, the final thing I think that we should do together to number our days aright is to ask that God would establish the work of your hands that he would give you meaningful work to do from now to the time you go to be with him so you can serve him and advance his kingdom. Look what it says. It says, God, make us glad for the many days. Make us glad. For as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. The psalmist is saying, God, You know, forgive us, have mercy on us. God, overwhelm us with your love. And now, may we live our lives in light of what you have forgiven us and what you've saved us from. And may we live with your love, doing all that we can to serve you for the rest of our days. What a way to live wisely, to serve him, to spend our time through lenses that are aware that one day we will be spending the whole of eternity with the eternal God. What will you live differently because of that? Will you do longer hours at work? Will you try and rush more things into your day? Will you love more? Today, Jenny and Clutha and Lauren have done something that demonstrates that they're living wisely. They've reconciled their lives through Jesus Christ with God. They've come from being apart to being one, forgiven through his death. Not only that, they've publicly made a testimony to say, we believe in Jesus and our trust is in him. Have you done that? It might be that, might be the first step of living wisely this morning. Say, God, have mercy on me. Forgive me. I want to come to you through Jesus Christ. It could be that you're going to be, want to become a Christian this morning. And that would be living wisely in light of the transient nature of our lives and our eternal God. It could be that you have already. Been, become a Christian and want to be baptised and that you want to do that as soon as you can as a declaration of your faith. It could be that this morning you realise that God has given you gifts and you haven't been using them. And in light of eternity, God wants you to now live the rest of your life serving Him and using the gifts that He's given you for His glory. It could be that this morning... You realise that the prayer of Moses to satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love is one that you need to pray more often. God, overwhelm me with your love. May I sing for joy all the days because what you have done for me. This morning, may we walk from this place today so aware of our finiteness, And so wise about the way we spend each and every day of the rest of our lives. Let's pray. (coughs) God, this morning we want to thank you for life. It's a gift from your hand. God, we acknowledge that our lives lived for ourselves end in destruction and judgment. God, this morning we want to thank you for sending Jesus, for giving us forgiveness, for making a way that we can be made right with you. Oh God, would you... Make us so aware of your unfailing love. And may worship and songs of joy be the, the, the voice that comes from our hearts. As we praise you each day, may we live just loving you and thanking you for all that you've done. Oh, and God, we pray that you'd help us to be intentional and focused with the gifts that you've given us. May you establish the work of our hands so that when we Go to be with you. We will know that none of our work has been in vain. God, we want to live wisely. All of our days, we want them to be lived for you. So hear the prayer of your people, the the song of our hearts as we sing to you now, God,
1: in Jesus' name. Amen.